I know for a fact that the Carolina Hurricanes, who are in action tonight, are doing their North Carolina night, which involves a tribute to the Raleigh Icecaps. Raleigh Icecaps were the ECHL team that played at Dorton Arena up until 1997 when the Carolina Hurricanes arrived 25 years ago. I actually did an episode of A Brief History of Triangle Sports last summer focused on the Raleigh Icecaps, talking to two former players, including their captain, Jimmy Powers, uh, who's still in the area. If you're familiar with Piper's Tavern, you probably know Jimmy <laughs> up in North North Raleigh. So uh, that that podcast was a lot of fun to do, and it's great that the Carolina Hurricanes, as part of their 25th anniversary, are doing things like that. So it's the first time they've done anything to incorporate the ice caps, right? Period. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. So tonight's the night. They got like some food specials and things like that. But really, what you're there to see is the Hurricanes warming up in an ice caps jersey while also buying some ice caps gear, which is where the whim came in. Like, I couldn't find you in the office. Like, where you at? It's time for a field trip. We're going to the eye. So we went to the eye. We bought a couple T-shirts. We bought a sweatshirt. And we're going to be giving those away at 4.15 with a special edition of Hurricanes Math. It's pretty easy to understand. We're going to give you two players. You come up with that total. Think that's going to be easy to do, Joe? Sure. Yeah. You've you've been in the lab coming up with some equations. I mean, I got some easy ones. The T-shirt. You know, we got three T-shirts to give away. Yeah, yeah. we got two extra, so large nice. two extra large T-shirts and a large T-shirt. Should be able to figure those out pretty easily. The sweatshirt's going to be the a harder equation, right? you're going to have to work for a little bit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Did Georgia? We're going to do that at 415. Did Georgia have to work for it last night? They did. No, nah, I know. Because that was their fastball. That's what I mean when I say I want to see a team breathe fire. Yeah. That's what I mean. You know, they were tested by Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, they should have lost to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. They didn't, though. And that second chance, and Kirby Smart, the speech that he gave before the game, laid it out pretty simple for his team, man. He did. He did. It was interesting. I was kind of half paying attention to the pregame stuff. Uh, I know there was like a special score that was done by John Williams. You know, it's Hollywood. You know, John Williams, a very famous composer, has done some of the greatest orchestra movie themes of our lifetime right i did get the sense that this was kind of a b-side effort from john williams he's like this is for a college football game cool i'll give you some exit from star tours to the gift shop music that's that's what it sounded like to me is whatever it was cool um but then they they go to holly Rowe. i think it was holly Rowe. goes to kirby smart and kirby smart went full wrestling shoot on her what do you need to see from your team early, particularly as you start on defense right now? Aggression. <laughs> That's it? That's what we want to do. We're, not, we're, we're going to hunt tonight. We're going to do the best we can to hunt tonight. <laughs> so he laid it out. Like, we're out here to make a point. Ruthless aggression. <laughs> <laughs> was that Kurt Angle? Was that Vince McMahon? That was, was Vince. That was Vince? Because I know when I came into the office today, you had some, uh, you were looking up some old WWE promos. So that's what that was. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now.
The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. But apparently he worked a little more, uh, he worked a little blue in the pregame. Uh, apparently this is this is verified like this is actually the speech that took place in the locker room ahead of the game and it's a minute five of a lot of beeps right, uh, Dennis actually counted the beeps okay well let's 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 hear it first and then we'll reveal the amount of beeps that are involved with this pregame speech to the bulldogs your ass is prepared for this for 365 days I think about the in that locker room. Think about getting our opportunity. All the you went through this week to get ready for this game, now is when you pay the price. You go out there with energy, enthusiasm. Hey, God, ain't nobody in this room should be cautious. Ain't nobody in this room should be nervous about Go out here and their ass up. Don't think about scoreboard. Don't think about You think about knocking the out of them. Did you hear what Box said on Monday? I sat in that meeting. I wanted to go play right then. Throw your shit up out here. Two years ago, your shit up. It's about smart. who we are. How many how many beeps was that, Dennis? Twenty four. Twenty four. Not bad. Not bad. In fifty eight seconds. That's pretty impressive from uh from Kirby Smart on that one. Now I know, I know the cynical person out there could point out like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm sure that kind of speech is given by a high school coach all the time, uh, or whatever, but I think there's context here. You mentioned the Ohio State game. That game, it didn't matter who Georgia saw in the championship game. I think there was a as we were joking about on the drive over to, to the eye today, they messed around and they almost found out. They did. So that gave Kirby Smart the thing that coaches absolutely love. Oh, you won, but I'm going to rip your ass for it. So you go out there and you show what you're really about. And obviously we saw that against TCU. Did they, did they run it up a little bit more on TCU to make a larger point about where Georgia is versus where a TCU might be? I buy that. But the way Georgia was playing last night, I don't think anybody was beating them, straight up. No, that was their fastball. We saw this when they played Tennessee down at their place, too. Yep. As I like to say, though, it's easy to do it at night at home when you're feeling good. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody could do it once at night at home with the lights on. To do it in that stage uh, was really impressive. And Stetson Bennett, once again, you know, I know he's not a first-round, second-round, third-round, or even fourth-round prospect, but I'd be hard-pressed if I'm an NFL team not to invite him to camp next year. And see what he can do and see what he can learn. Yeah, I was going to say um, uh, that uh, was another point of, I'm sure, emphasis for Georgia about what Stetson Bennett was going to do. So who was Kirby Smart saying that he heard on Monday night? That was the one I couldn't understand. Was he saying Fox? Was somebody on I Fox? I was in the box? I don't know what okay. he was saying. He said something about a production meeting. I was in that production meeting. I heard okay. what they said. Oh, okay. So it must have been somebody from ESPN kind of. Yeah. Okay. That 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 would be what I had to say. One other note about you know where things go from here uh, in relation to Georgia and Kirby Smart. You know, I read our guy Michael Felder. He's got a newsletter, and he made this point that there's a you saw a lot of youth on that Georgia squad. That's part of the next iteration, and why this isn't going away 
anytime soon for the Bulldogs. No, and I tell you what, with the now they probably haven't even tapped into NIL yet because no. they stack recruiting class mm-hmm. on recruiting recruiting class. But I mean, it would surprise me if they didn't fish out a quarterback. I, I'm I'm actually surprised they didn't wait for somebody. And and you know what though, don't rule out somebody going through spring practice and them saying. Might be better fit for us yeah. than uh, what we have on hand here. That's the part about name, image, and likeness that we don't re- we we focus on this idea that oh guys are getting ripped left and right, or it actually helps you sustain your program mm-hmm. a little bit longer. I think it worked. What Bo Nix is sticking around. Yeah. Um, and Brendan Armstrong, sixty year. Brendan Armstrong, Devin Leary is another example. Yeah, sixty year for Devin Leary, where you can actually with name, image, and likeness keep your guys there because it makes more financial sense for them to stay in college than it is to be a fifth or a sixth round. Correct. So that's where you might see more Stetson Bennett's of the world have time in the program and develop into what you saw last night. So there are some benefits to your own team with name, image, and likeness. It's not just about plucking free agency. But that's a deeper conversation for another day. The curiosity about college football, and you and I are too old to not be honest about this. We see these types of championship games. We see what the recruiting classes are going to be, and then we start saying nobody's going to knock this team off anytime soon. Their schedule is unfortunate next year mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. because they're going to be it. They're going to lack motivation. Because they lost an Oklahoma game they were supposed to play. Sure. And it was signed when Oklahoma was still in the Big 12 and before they had agreed to come to the SEC. Yeah. So their schedule next year is straight trash. Straight trash. Please tell me you saw halftime where they were talking about where Georgia was and what they were doing and how good they were. And Nick Saban is sitting right there. Simmering. Simmering the entire time. I think it was David Pollack that said... This is like Georgia's. This is David Georgia's Pollock, Georgia guy. Yeah, he's a Georgia guy. Yeah. But he was like, he's looking directly at Saban, saying, "This is Georgia's world right now," and Saban's doing his yeah. best. I, I'll just say this: I think we have a tendency to be prisoners of the moment. Of course, that's my styles point. make fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who's watched NC State since they've played the three-three-five could have told you Georgia was going to be able to run the football and run the football effectively against that scheme. Yeah, TCU, quite frankly, had a horseshoe up their ass against Michigan. They had two pick sixes and they had. Two trips inside the one. Michigan had two trips inside the one-yard line and did not score a single point. Mm -hmm. That's, like, impossible to replicate. That's 28 points right there. Now you could say, hey, Joe, you could have given TCU 28 last night, still won a competitive game. That's fair. Styles make fights. When you catch a team matters. How you catch a team matters. Ohio State had Georgia. So I don't want to hear how much better Georgia was than everybody else. They were number one. Please don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But – they lost. They, the final score just wasn't on the right side for Ohio State. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline covers the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. He is Mike Kay. Mike, are you interviewing for the Panthers job at any point this week? I might try to get in as the permanent fullbacks coach, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't know. I, it just, that seems like a tall task for me. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. I feel like Steve Wilkes, the interim head coach who went six and six after Matt Rule got fired, is fighting an uphill battle because David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, has it in his head what he wants. Because it's not lost on me that the interview list for the Panthers head coaching job, they're all offensive guys. Wilkes is the one defensive guys. There's ways around that, obviously, but Tepper clearly has a type, if you will. Yeah, I think if you're a former NFL quarterback turned offensive coordinator, clap your hands. Like, that's basically what the Carolina Panthers are saying. Now, in one respect, you could say, hey, they're being respectful to Steve Wilkes and not interviewing other defensive guys, so they're not diminishing the fact that, hey, he's a special case, right? But I think when you look at what Tepper wants to create in Carolina, he wants a, a, a really explosive offense. And typically that's led to success in the NFL. The issue with that is there's a major boom and bust factor. When you're a really good play caller, especially a young one, like a lot of these guys that are first or second year play callers, and then you get the added responsibilities of being a head coach, that can be kind of crippling. There are guys who are just meant to be play callers. There are guys who are just meant to be CEO head coaches. Not everybody's an Andy Reid, you know? So I think that's a concern here. Um, this list is impressive on paper, but you don't know until you know. I, for one, was a huge advocate of Nate Hackett, a guy I covered in Jacksonville for a few years, and we saw how that went. So I, I think we need to, like, look at this in the scope of the guy you know versus the guy you don't. Mm -hmm. and experience even as limited of experience as Wilkes has as a head coach versus the boomer bust. Mike Kay covers the Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. He's joining us here on the Easter Automotive Group Hotline. That's Jovius. I'm Joe Giglio. All right, let, let's go through a couple of these names here, Mike. You know, I'm curious because I look at the Eagles. I see their success with Jalen Hurts. My brain says that's Nick Sirianni. That's Jalen Hurts. But – Shane Steichen is a play, is a uh, play caller. I don't know if he calls the plays or not. He's the OC for the Eagles. Tell us a little bit about Steichen. So, um, background on me, I covered the Eagles for the last four years. I covered the first year of the Sirianni uh, regime. So, Nick comes in. He's never been a play caller. Um, but he takes on that responsibility along with being head coach for the first time. The first eight weeks are a slog. He realizes, you know what, maybe I should just be a, a CEO head coach. He passes the baton of play calling to Shane Steichen. The Eagles immediately become the best running team in the NFL. Like, you saw how the Panthers were in the last 11 games of this season. Uh, the Eagles were that as a unit on, like, basically a rocket ship by comparison. So... He adapted to Jalen Hurts. He he was able to work with Brian Johnson. They're extremely talented uh, uh, quarterbacks coach who is going to get offensive coordinator looks this year. I wouldn't be shocked if he even got some head coaching interest as well. And they really have flipped the script this year. Instead of being a running juggernaut, they've been a passing juggernaut because of the QB maker, A.J. Brown, and the fact that Devontae Smith has elevated his game as well. They've really put Jalen Hurts in position to succeed. Now you say, okay, Jalen Hurts is a bit of a unicorn. Well, prior to landing in Philadelphia, guess who Justin Herbert's rookie year offensive coordinator was? Oh, it's Shane Steichen. So he's worked with, with two very talented young quarterbacks. On top of that, he's only 37, but he was 
Philip Rivers' quarterback's coach for several years. Um, a former quarterback himself, he played at UNLV. Um, he's a guy who has a really calm exterior. He's not a, a rah-rah guy in the slightest. He kind of looks like Dax uh, – is it Dax Shepard, the guy who's married to Kristen Bell? Looks oh, yeah. like almost identical to him. Um, he's very relatable. You bring up Scheme. He's a guy who is known for being pretty forward-thinking when it comes to Scheme. He adapts to his players. Um, he's developed into a pretty solid play caller. I mean, there was the Chicago game where they basically used Jalen Hurts as a battering ram, a human battering ram, and then he injured his shoulder. And Eagles fans are pretty incensed about that. But for the most part, I think he's been very consistent, and he's a guy who makes a lot of sense for this team, especially from his temperament. His temperament definitely fits the Carolinas. Mike Kay joining us covers the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. He's on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. All right, about that temperament, this gets us back to the start of the conversation with Steve Wilkes. I mean, look, I'm all, I'm, I'm in Raleigh, you know. I, I can only pick up on what's going on with the Panthers through what you're talking about, other people around the team. Sure. And the sense that I get is that Wilkes does have the temperament for this job, that the players do buy in to what he is selling. Even the town buys in to what he's selling. The, the Panthers went from, as I've described, an unserious franchise with Matt Rule over the last two years to one that you at least have to pay attention to because they might actually go win the damn thing. This has to count for something, right? Like, I, it's, it's to me, Tepper put himself in a bad spot by saying during the Matt Rule firing press conference that he had to do this incredible job or an extraordinary job. Well, he did, given the context. So how can you not take him seriously as a candidate at this point? So I think you've got a really good grasp of the situation. Um, but what I would say is this. I think people are missing the forest for the trees in, in the bad wording of David Tepper. What he also said was he was concerned about getting over the hump. Mm -hmm. And he said it multiple times. And then he defined getting over the hump as showing tangible growth as an organization, winning more than the year before etc. Well, guess what? Steve Wilkes did all of that by definition. So right. uh, I think when you look at this situation, it, it look, it, it, in some ways, it's a good problem to have. In other ways, um, I think Tepper's going to look at the last two games and some of the quirks of the time management and say, hey, look at that. He's not perfect. But I do think when you look at what Steve Wilkes has done, with having Robbie Anderson shipped off immediately, with having Christian McCaffrey shipped off immediately, the starting center goes down and, oh, wait, there's a better starting center awaiting him. The fact that they averaged over 150 yards rushing per game, even with blips against the Steelers and um, the Ravens, I, I just, like, I... To me, there's like this polarizing argument about Steve Wilkes that I kind of don't understand. Mm -hmm. So he is a defensive coach. He is an interim head coach. There are stigmas that come with both. Now, oh, and, and he's black, Mike. Like, I'll just go ahead and say it. Like, and, and that's fine. I mean, I, I do think that's part of the conversation. And there is something to be said about the fact that he's part of that lawsuit with Brian Flores. Yeah, if you don't think the league uh, would do a silent, per like, hallelujah, if he was hired, I, I think is completely missing missing part of the point. But what I would say is this. If you see that all these candidates are young former quarterbacks who, except for Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell, who 
um, have experience with working with a quarterback, well, what do you do? Well, you go to a young up and coming coach who has some coordinator experience, who was a former quarterback and make him your offensive coordinator. Now I talked about a guy named Brian Johnson. He was the offensive coordinator at Florida when Kyle Pitts was there. Um, that offense was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, him leaving probably cost his former boss's job there. Uh, he's worked with Jalen Hurts. He's done a pretty good job there. He played at Utah, was the Sugar Bowl MVP after replacing Alex Smith. Um, he was on the cover of NCAA back in the day, if you don't remember. So if you're Steve Wilch, you pitch somebody like that, or maybe somebody like Frank Reich, where he runs the offense and you run the defense and everybody just has fun. I think that there are a lot of options here. And I think the people that are immediately running to, wow, Steve Wilkes has no shot. I think it's, it's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. as, as plugged in as I might be, even I don't know what's going into his pitch. So I will say there is interest in Brian Johnson on, on the Wilkes side. I do think that he is a guy who makes a lot of sense there. But I also think he can be creative in other facets. I think Jeff Nixon's a guy who's very interesting as well. I was going to say, Mike, please tell me Steve Wilkes isn't meeting with David Tepper today and saying, yeah, uh, Ben McAdoo is going to be my play caller. <laughs> I would be astonished if that was the thing. Now, maybe he says, you know what, but I like what Ben McAdoo's done, and I think he could be a really good quarterbacks coach. There is history there where he has been very good with quarterbacks. Um, I just think it's a matter of what you prioritize, right? Like Chris Tabor, in my opinion, is a top three special teams coach. All of his specialists set records or led the league in something. Um, Sam Franklin's become a really good guy. I, I think there are people on the staff that Wilkes would like to retain. Um, but look, we learned this in Philadelphia with Doug Peterson. He pitched the wrong staff and then got axed, you know, a couple of years after winning the Super Bowl. So G owners are fickle. They don't like to be told what to do. I know a lot of people in the media are pushing Steve, uh, but ultimately this comes down to an audience of one. And Nicole. Don't forget Nicole. She's oh, part yes, of this Nicole, too. yeah. Which is not – that's not – people are making a big deal out of that. I, I'm just making a joke. I know it's not no, that big No, I know, but I've seen it a lot, and I'm kind yeah. of like, it's not that uncommon. No, it's, it's, it's not. I think people are just looking for reasons to believe that David Tepper won't make the right call. I mean, we don't need to add to it. Uh, Mike K covers the Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Uh, have fun the rest of the week going through all this uh, coaching hiring process, man. Thanks for having me, guys.